0: Hey there, you're listening to High Performance. I gift to you for free every single week. If you can take time to rate and review this podcast, it makes a huge difference to us reaching new people. As many of you know already, it's the podcast that turns the lived experiences of the planet's highest performers into your life lessons. So today, allow the greatest leaders, thinkers, sports stars, entertainers and entrepreneurs to be your teacher. Today, this awaits you.
1: Everyone thinks you've got the answers once you've made it, but truth is, it's been, a, it's been a tough journey. I mean, look at what you've shown us on this podcast. The first things you pulled up on screen, look, you had mics in your hands and like you had a rubbish little setup. but at the time, that was, that was the dog's... In comparison to where we are now, do you know what I mean? But, like, people forget that. Yeah. It's so easy to forget that because, as you said earlier, social media shows you the best parts, but it's never like that. I always try and stay open-minded to everything as much as possible to to learn about everything so then when an opportunity does come up, then I can spot it and I can see, okay, well, maybe that's going to head there, head there. You'll know, you spoke to a lot of people, it's all about the process. The end goal is is never the end goal. Keep that carrot always dangled in front of you. It's always about the process. In the future, you know, when when, when you're on your deathbed and you look back, all you've got is memories and the money's irrelevant at that point. Do you know what I mean? So that's, You you can sit back and just laugh about everything. And and that's the most important thing. Enjoy the process. Look at your favorite brands, for example, and look what they're doing well. Just clone what they're doing. All we ever done and all we will ever do in business is look at what other people are doing well, take a little bit from everyone and bring it into our own company.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I guess one of my many failings, right, is that I'm not patient enough. And we recorded this episode Quite a few months ago, when it was the very first night of the High Performance live tour, once again, thanks to the thousands of you that came out to watch the shows. And joining us for the first show in Birmingham was local entrepreneur Lewis Morgan. Now, if I just take you back a decade to 2012, he created with his mate Ben Francis, a company you might have heard of called Gymshark. Eight years later, in 2020, Lewis exited the business for a reported One hundred million pounds. So what lessons can you learn on being entrepreneurial? We know that so many entrepreneurs listen to this. What are the big mistakes he made? What are the moments where he realised he was going down the wrong path and he turned? What did he learn about working with a close friend in a business? How has life changed now that he has so much money? You're about to hear the truth from Lewis Morgan, a really interesting, humble, down-to-earth guy. And as you will hear him explain on this conversation, he's not someone that came to life with all the answers. And he has a really interesting take on childhood, a really interesting take on education. And it's a conversation about entrepreneurship and business that I can't wait for you to hear. Um, As always, there will be some crowd interaction and some crowd noise because it was recorded at Birmingham Town Hall. um, And we wouldn't have been able to go on the live tour without our good friends at Mission. Now, I've mentioned Mission Tea quite a few times. I I used to be a coffee addict. I managed to wean myself off it and Mission is part of my high-performance routine. We talk about world-class basics on this podcast. Mission T is one of my daily world-class basics. It's important to say that it's not just about sharpening you mentally and physically if you're an athlete, but also if you're a student, a parent, a business leader, an entrepreneur. If you just want to improve your natural energy or your recovery or your sleep, then I can't recommend Mission highly enough. And I've got some good news for you. Just go to missionuk.com. Dot com, and apply the code PERFORM20 at the checkout for 20% off. That's MissionUK.com and use PERFORM20 at the checkout for 20% off. But you're going to hear it right now. A conversation with a young guy who was in a class of people who've gone on to do amazing things. And there's definitely something for us to learn from that. He's now worth tens of millions of pounds. And he shares his secrets and his truth and his lessons and his life with you right now. It's Lewis Morgan, live from Birmingham on the
2: High Performance Podcast. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Here he is. How are we
1: doing? Great, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you with us. Social distance?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> um, so you're the first ever high-performance podcast guest in front of a live audience of almost 1,000 people.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I know, I appreciate that. I just want to say as well, what an incredible job you two have done, especially in two years, and the, what, the, word, the message that you're spreading around the world is just thank incredible, sir. So,
0: Oh, mate, thank you so much. really appreciate that. Um, Yeah, thank you. Um, So let's start the way we always start these conversations then. For you, what is high performance?
1: Do you know what? It's similar to, to, to what Gary Neville said in terms of, at a point in life for everyone, their performance will change depending on their emotion, you know what's happening at home, their state, where they are in their career, it's always going to change. So as long as you're always performing to your best ability on that day, then that's all that really matters. So what is it for you at the moment, then? For me, it's, it's all about my little girl at this moment in time. Is it? Yeah, she's five weeks old, so as soon as I leave here, straight back
4: home. And for me, that's... Thank you. Nice. So can I jump in there, then, because I know that Willow, as you say, is five weeks old. One of the things that intrigued me when I was reading about your background is that a lot of entrepreneurs we've met often talk about their business being a baby to them. Now, you've run and set up lots of businesses and now you've become a father yourself. What would you say are the similarities and what lessons can you apply from the world of being an entrepreneur to raising your daughter?
1: Well, to be honest, it is very similar in terms of when you create a business the business is only created because it's your idea that you've pulled out your head, and, and it's only there because of you or whoever else you're in business with. And obviously that's the same as having a child, right? You, it's only there because you and your partner made the child. Um, so it's a very similar aspect in that, and it takes a lot of nurturing too. Like kids don't grow up to, 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 you know, have all the morals they have about your input too. And that's the same with the business. It's, it's really important to nurture a business when you create a business. You're doing every single job. People think you need to employ fifty different people when you first start. At the end of the day, you are those fifty different people. Do you know what I mean? You're doing every little shitty job there is, it, literally down to the ground. And, and that's the same as you know, to me, having a kid. You have to always be there watching them. It's intensive. I mean, she's only five weeks old, so I'm only speaking on five weeks of experience. It's. You know, change changing lapis, and then they're sick, then they poo again, you have to change it again. And that's the same as a business. No, not everything goes right, you do one thing, it's then you take two steps back just to get forward again. So, And
0: it's a constant, so you're in a constant state of learning, right, when you're a new parent. And I guess that you were in a constant state of learning when you first started. I mean, what I find fascinating, right, about you is that, how old were you when, when you first started thinking about being a businessman you were doing all kinds of things at school weren't you what was the earliest I'd
1: say the earliest was it was probably when I was 16 15 but that was on a game that was buying and selling on a game that I used to play I'd buy buy something and I'd sell it again to make a little bit of money and that was kind of instilling this, this habit in me but you had a mindset at that point though didn't you of understanding the
0: power that you can have realising that if you can control certain things around you that you can spin it to your advantage. Like I was still doing a paper round and I used to wear a Daffy Duck nightshirt, right, at the age of 16. Yet you're there thinking, brilliant, I can make some money. So where did this come from? Was Damon spoke about the golden seed. Was there a golden seed moment where you realised that you could do something different to everybody else?
1: Not, not... I wouldn't say golden seed. I would say we kind of more stumbled across things that were making money and our inquisitiveness to keep diving down rabbit holes then led us to places that made money. It wasn't like, oh, I, I want to make loads of money. It was, what can I do? How are they doing this? And then I just kind of dived down the rabbit holes. It led me there. It wasn't, when I was at school as well, like I, there was nothing about me that was special. I'm probably one of the most uneducated people in this room, always getting kicked out of lessons. It was nothing, nothing like that. It was and ideas as well are friends. And let's just say they would come back with a good idea and then we'd just explore it.
4: So that's really intriguing because for those that don't know it, that some of these friends that you're describing about, uh, some of like modern-day titans of business, you've got Reese Wabara that's been a guest on the podcast, we've had Ben Francis that's also been a guest, you've got the Edgerton brothers that you're now working with. What was happening within that culture or that environment that was nurturing so many entrepreneurs. I think, to be honest, we there was there was it
1: probably all started with Reese, If I'm honest, because Reece was the only one to break out of a little town that made something of himself through football. Because we, I had a job as you know Ben was a pizza delivery driver, my friends was a waiter. I worked um, two jobs at Burton's Menswear and as a, as a local pot washer at the Grafton Manor Hotel, and. Meanwhile, you know, Reese was playing football um, for loads of different, um, different clubs around the world, getting paid you know, massive amounts of money that at one day I could only dream of. And I was thinking, that is just crazy. How is he making so much money so young? And that drove me to, to realise straight away, like, really is possible because he's so close to me. If he can do it, then I can do it. But not in a malicious way, just like he's bringing me up. So then it was like, OK, I'm going to build something now. And then later on, it came into the fact, full circle, I kind of talked him out of not playing football anymore and let's build a business together. And now, you you know, you've seen where it's all gone. So I'd say it's more so the people, just the people around you, they can take you, you know, to the moon and back.
4: So if there was, like, teachers listening to this St. Louis that were thinking, how do I nurture that sort of entrepreneurial curiosity within young people that can lead them down these rabbit holes that could potentially be successful. What advice would you give to people in that position?
1: Well, it's obviously really hard for teachers too because, you know, they're teachers in a class of 30 pupils and it's hard to give everyone the same advice because not everyone responds to the same advice. Some people learn from listening to podcasts, some people learn from visuals, some people learn from from just, uh, you know, writing down things. Everyone is different, so it's really hard to pinpoint advice, but I would just say never... Undermine someone's thought process on how they get to an answer because I might conclude a different answer or might think so crazily and someone might say to me, like, okay, that's daft. Why are you even saying that? But if someone would have said to me, you're going to build a billion pound brand one day, I'd say, maybe so.
0: Did you find you were undermined by the teachers then when you were at school?
1: No, but... The way they treated me was subject to how I treated them. Like, I was a class clown. There's no two ways about it. I'd go into school thinking I was cool, trying to make people laugh, and I'd get kicked out of lessons because I'm interrupting another, you know, 30 people's education, which is rightly so. And looking back, obviously, now I've got perspective, and that was silly of me, but it was the only thing I knew. I would say if teachers can try and teach perspective on what skills you're going to need when you leave school, even as simple as, like, you know being empathetic to other co-workers as you go to the next step or or just like how to plan your life finances, just simple things, how to plot your life, the power of the routine that school gives you, uh, just simple things like that, I think they go even further. So
0: you've, you've reached this point where you've got a few kids who are in your year or in your school who are doing amazing things, yet you're Lewis Morgan that's getting chucked out of classes, you're not getting great grades, you're not at the top of the class at any point. I'm really interested when when the switch happens and you find that actually you're getting some joy out of creating businesses and things. When you did that, where did the ability to do maths come from? Where did the ability to deal with supply chains and empathising with people and bringing the right people on board? Where does all of that come from? Because there'll be people in here tonight that would love to start their own businesses and they're thinking, well, I wouldn't even know where to begin. So how did you begin it and what can you teach people in here tonight well it's called fucking winging it <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, honestly there's the, there's the truth <laughs> like, <in> the <laughs> I, I mean I, I, everyone thinks you've got the answers once you've made it but truth is it's been a it's been a tough journey i mean look at what you've shown us on this podcast the first things you pulled up on screen, like, you had mics in your hands and like you had a rubbish little setup, but at the time, that was, that was the dog's... In comparison to where we are now, do you know what I mean? But like, people forget that. Yeah. It's so easy to forget that because, as you said earlier, social media shows you the best parts, but it's never like that. When we first started, didn't have a clue what we were going to do. We just wanted. it started off as a supplement company, you know. Now we're a, a, a massive gym clothing company only, and, and the same goes with all, all of our, our other brands. We didn't really know where we wanted to go. I'd say your best things for you to do: YouTube, listen to podcasts like this, listen to people's different life experiences. Google's one of your best friends, Upwork, things like that, where you can outsource work that you're maybe not so good at. But truth is, when you start starting a business, you need to be doing everything, and it is a learning process. And there's so many unanswered questions, including now. I don't know where the next step is, but I'll for sure learn. And how will I learn? I'll either pay someone that knows it, that's already been there, that's got the experience, so I then don't have to go and learn and make a mistake that's going to cost me more than I'm going to pay that person. That's the only reason, to be fair. Otherwise, you just kind of wing it again. So. Which, which is fine, but... Things take time, it's really do take time. I mean, I've been doing things for but, the best no, But part things happen so quick
0: for you, though. Like when, when you first, how long was it from when you first started to when you were actually making some serious money? How quick did that happen?
1: Um, two or three years, two or three years. And how hard were you having to
0: work and how much were you having to sacrifice and how full-on was that experience for that
1: period of time? It was full-on, so it was 24... 24- not, I'm not going to say 24 hours a day, but there was always stuff to do. Anyone out there that runs their own company knows you're constantly thinking of the next step. But that's only because it's, for, it's forced. I'll do it myself. I want to become better. So I'll always think about what's the next opportunity. And the best point I can give is when I was, when we were in um, uh, Body Power, which is a big expo, this is when we really knew. We were probably making, like, I don't know, two, three grand a week or whatever. Um, and then... We launched these tracksuit to Body Power, and we must have made 30 grand in 10 minutes, and we were like, fuck, that's crazy. But I wasn't like, OK, now I can go buy a Rolex. I did not care about that stuff. I was like, if we can do that now, what can we do in the future? What can we build? This is just a start. If we've already done this on our first event, what's going to happen when we go a few years down the line and we do five events for two years on? We did do five events that next year. Again, winging it. We're going around the world, taking loads of athletes. Didn't have a clue what we were doing. But isn't
0: this the point, though, is that we're all winging it all the time? We start this podcast, we were winging it. He's not even a professor. (laughs) 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 But I think there's a great lesson for people. You know, we spoke about imposter syndrome earlier on. Like, people are winging it all the time. And people assume from the outside, they look at you and go, blimey, look at Lewis and Ben. They've just turned over five million quid. They must know what they're doing. But the truth is that all of us are making it up as we go along. I'm very interested, though, what was it that you did that suddenly rocket fueled that success?
1: I think it was probably when we identified, maybe by accident, that influencer marketing was a thing that we could use as a tool to bring emotion and to bring sales to our our company. We accidentally stumbled across that. It was the right time in terms of the things we were into that would associate, we could associate with our brands. We were watching YouTubers all the time, they were getting 30,000 views, this is like in 2012. And probably that's equivalent to now on Instagram, like a million views, let's say. It was, it was huge, and it's every single day. And we thought, okay, if all these companies are doing it really well, then how can we do it differently? And, and we thought, we want to meet these people. These, we look up to these people, so if we look up to them, and everyone else that buys our products probably is too. So we brought them over from the US, brought them to a place where people wouldn't have a chance probably ever again to come and see them. And, you know, it, it worked. And from now, as you can see now, influencer marketing is this big thing that everyone
4: knows about. See, but what really intrigues me on that, though, Lewis, is that it's like that old saying that talent hits a target nobody else can. Genius hits a target that nobody else can even see. So you were seeing something that now seems so obvious in hindsight. So what, what was it that allowed you to see trends that nobody else could see, that people could learn from and replicate in their own world?
1: Well, some of the biggest companies in the world are always built upon things that become uh, niches that become like new trends. There's obviously an element of look there, but to spot an opportunity, you already need to kind of know about the subject, which is why I say to everyone be as curious as you can. Don't just say no. People want to talk about crypto and they'll say, Look, I'm not doing that. It's a scam. But how do you know it's a scam? Like, have you ever actually looked into it or are you just throwing words out of your head? Are you always trying to stay open minded to everything? as much as possible to, to learn about everything. So then when an opportunity does come up, then I can spot it and I can see, okay, well maybe that's gonna head there, head there. But you've had constant big
0: moments, though, haven't you? Like you obviously created Gymshark and you no longer involved in that as we talk today, but then you keep going. So when you exited from Gymshark and obviously you've got a few quid in the bank, what was the reason to keep
1: going and to find the next thing and to, to push forwards? Because I'm, I've been given an opportunity, right? One of 400 trillion, I think, the odds are to even being here today, and I'm talking to even being born. So why am I going to be selfish enough to throw that out of the way? Because I've made a few quid at, at 29. Like that's selfish to me. There's people around the world that haven't even got clean water, and because I've made something of myself so young, I'm going to now throw that away and stop working. No, it just shows me how far I can actually go. And not only do I want to take myself there, I want to take the people around me and other entrepreneurs and try and help them kind of build their businesses into, into bigger things too and, 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 you know, treat them right, show them the right things to do and, and teach them everything I've learned. Cool.
4: So when it comes to the people around you then that you want to take along and show them on this, what sort of qualities do you look for of people that you want to invest into a business with and, and go and take those opportunities alongside? <laughs>
1: Businesses, generally speaking, especially for the first you know, three years, it's all about the people. Like You guys could come to me and say, we're going to, we're going to create a podcast. You, know, you could say it's going to have 5,000 uh, plays tomorrow. It could have millions. I don't care. I care about the people in front of me who are pitching me the idea. What are you two about? Like, where do your morals sit? How hungry are you? Are you going to run off when you get a few quid in the bank and, and, and buy loads of houses, cars, jewellery, and, and switch off? Because... You all know, you spoke to a lot of people. It's all about the process. The end goal is, is never the end goal. Keep that carrot always dangled in front of you. It's always about the process. In the future, you know, when, when, when you're on your deathbed and you look back, all you've got is memories. And it, the money's irrelevant at that point. Do you know what I mean? So that's, you, you can sit back and just laugh about everything. And, and that's the most important thing. Enjoy the process. So what are the questions you ask then
0: of people that come into your life so that you can really assess whether they bring genuine value to the things that you want to achieve and the things that you want to do?
1: I try not to overthink that, if I'm honest, because, you know, you see a lot of people come, you see a lot of people go, you see the best sides of people, you see the nasty sides of people, depending on what's involved. So I try not to overthink it. I believe that I'll just be real with people, and if they're, you know, if they're real to me for long enough, then I'll eventually see cracks or I won't, but everyone has cracks. It all depends on the intention of the crack that appears. Um, so I just try not to overthink that part, but to be honest, don't really have that much time to make, like, you know, let's say, new friends, because I'm just too busy focusing on my family, and the people around me already, that's enough,
4: do you know what I mean? So what advice would you give to people when it comes to going into business, and mixing that with friendship? Because it seems to me like a blessing and a curse that you, have, you may have each other's backs, but... If things go wrong, you lose both the business and the friendship.
1: Yeah, it is a really tricky one. It is a really tricky one, especially because, you know, when you're growing, you both want the best for the business and sometimes your idea might not be as good as theirs or vice versa. But you believe in that time, obviously, your idea is the best idea and it's sometimes hard to overcome. But all my businesses have been with with friends Every single one of them. There's not one, MDV, Gymshark, uh, the Able Group. These are all people that I've known from school, which is, which is pretty crazy. So I've generally had, a, 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 the, for the most part, a, a great experience, but it can, all, you know, contracts and things like that in place early on, are again, always great, but it is a tricky one. It
4: works for some people, it works for others. So how often do you get together then when you're in business with friends and colleagues and just... Talk about the softer stuff, the values, the vision. How frequently does that happen, and what are the nature of those conversations At most,
1: Probably on a, a daily basis, unofficially, because you're always talking about business... You know, the best businesses are the ones that you live and breathe by. You can't kind of just, you know, okay, it's Monday now. I'm only going to talk about the business. Don't worry, about it. it's every single day. Fifty. If I looked at my phone now, I've probably got 150 messages from a group chat from people in an able group that are looking for the next big thing or the next the next idea. I don't think you you ever switch off. And and any time I'm around people that I've. I've got the companies with or we speak, it's always, you know, positive things that what are they what's what is this company doing well that we can implement? It's always positivity all the time.
4: So how do you handle conflict when that inevitably rises?
1: I'm not delusional. And the people around me aren't delusional. I think you can't be delusional in business. If you're wrong, you're wrong. There's gonna be a reason behind it. But no one should ever say, okay, you're wrong, and that's the only reason. You're wrong because, and I think I'm right because, okay, and then we speak. And then we get to the conclusion, because at the end of the day, it's all about the growth of the, the, growth of the businesses. So um, you have to be willing to accept someone else's opinion, and you have to be willing to change your mind if it's wrong, which is why I just try and stay open-minded, because you know, I might have an idea of a business, and someone, let's say in the audience, might come up to me and say, no, you can do this better, and I'll be like, you're right. I don't have any ego towards that because growth doesn't come
4: from that. So what's the best piece of feedback that somebody's given you that you're in business with that you've taken on board and made a change on the back of? For,
1: for me personally, I get too emotionally involved in things. Um, I'm quite a passionate person when I speak. You, you put it down out, I'm quite passionate and, and moving. If people, especially if I'm building something, like they'll tell me, you know, Well, I've had the feedback in in the past. Don't get too attached to the thing you're building from. An emotional standpoint, it's always the the best decision for the business. So that's something I've had to work on, which, you know, I'm proud to say I'm getting there and I'm I'm at the top. But it's always something you're going to work on. You can never fully,
2: fully get it. Planning for your next trip?
3: only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: We're not interested in what happened with Jim Shark and you and Ben, but what I am interested in is, now that you're no longer involved, that period where you went your own separate ways. What did you learn about yourself in that period, or what was the biggest takeaway from you in that part of your life?
1: For me personally, it was, you know, I've, I've came... I've conquered that part of my life. I've learned so much mentally. I can, you know, for me, mentally and personally, I feel like I could handle a lot more. So, going into further businesses and where I wanted to take it and, and kind of, as I said, learning about the process and realise you know, who actually matters because you think loads of people matter. But when it comes down to it, truthfully, there's very few people in your circle that, that matter to you. And that was great for me. It was a part in my life where I can kind of find that out, which was really, really good. Um, so, yeah. It was, it was perspective. You can't, you can't just buy that. And it didn't change your mind about going into business with friends? No. 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 Why not? Because, well, again, it's quite hard for me to answer. Um, but as I said, every single person is different. I don't, tr- you know, it's a double-edged sword. Like, if it doesn't work here, it doesn't mean it's not going to work again. Do you know what I mean? As I said, I've got multiple businesses with friends and they're all doing brilliantly. So it was an easy decision for me, and I know, like, morally where they all stand, because I've known them for, since I was 12, do you know what I mean? So we've been through thick and thin. Things behind closed doors that no one will even see uh, or know about, what we've, been, what we've been through, is enough for me to always want to, you know... But as I said, none of us are deluded. If someone's wrong, we're going to tell you you're wrong straight away and pull you up straight on it. I don't believe, you know, if you've, if you've got an issue, you should always address it right away, because it's always easier to address, and your primary focus now is the Able Group? Yes. Can you explain to us what it does and what
0: you dream one day it will do? Because I get the sense that you're someone that has big ambitions.
1: So Able Group was, um, it was formed, so the Edgerton Brothers, um, they created a, a clothing company as well, which is a women's activewear clothing company, um, which sells around the world. It's one of the fastest growing companies in the UK. I mean, it's not fully on the map yet in terms of out there news but I mean, these guys are doing 20 million turnover in in three years, which is, you know, let me just put it to perspective. Like Gymshot took four years to get to that point. So these guys are growing incredibly fast. They're incredibly smart people. It's not their first rodeo. They've had businesses they've sold before. And he partnered with his girlfriend, actually, on another brand called Because of Alice, which is a clothing company for for women, fashion, um, higher end. And they're growing, again, incredibly fast. So we we created Able Group, Those are the two companies underneath the umbrella. And what we want to do is partner with other entrepreneurs around the world, bring them into the group and build out their vision for their brands. And, and, you know, as I said, everything that we've learned along the way, we want to help them. So you're all about empowering people and bringing people along the journey.
0: You see, what was really interesting, the success of Gymshark came because you spotted trends early and you got on board with them. But getting influencers on Instagram is no longer a big deal because that's what everybody does, right? You were there at the beginning. So what do you think of the things now that anyone in here running a business needs to be doing to be successful? What are the key drivers
1: in business in 2022? Well, first of all, you need, to be, you need to be doing all the basics right, i.e. being on every social media platform. You know, people say they're not growing. Okay, so why are you not growing? You're not even on every social media platform. You're not doing what's currently out there, what people are doing right. I always say try and clone. Look at your favourite brands, for example, and look what they're doing well. And just clone what they're doing all we ever done and all we will ever do in business is look at what other people are doing well, take a little bit from everyone and bring it into our own company. Because everyone's always doing something better than you, than, than you are at, at all points in your life. In business, in, in life in general, mindset-wise, someone's always doing something better. So just bring it into you and just learn from it. I mean, I, we, we, again, have absolutely no ego to, to I'm going to say, shamelessly stealing people's ideas. Um, but we always look for the future all the time. So for us, TikTok's a massive thing, so we focus a lot on, on TikTok. And, and it's the same. With everyone's business, whatever your business is, you need to really identify who your customer is, what you are trying to sell them, put yourself in their shoes. Like, okay, so if you're selling them burgers, for example, like what type of burger are you really selling them? And advertise it to them, like, and keep giving them, giving them, giving them, giving them over and over again. Sell them more than just the product, though. Try and sell them a, a motion to your company so they'll keep thinking and, and coming back.
4: So I've had that it's often said in business, as the three eyes. You can have innovators, people that are coming up with the new ideas, you can have imitators, people that are taking those ideas and making them better. And then the final eye is idiots that are coming in too late in the process. What are you saying, Damien? No, I'm asking, where does Lewis think that people need to be on this? Because I think it sounds like what you're saying is getting at the imitator stage. Don't necessarily think you've got to have this amazing idea as an innovator. It's about going spotting and seeing what you can improve. Is, that, is Absolutely. that right?
1: You don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can't reinvent the wheel. Everything's already been done. Do you know what I mean? Like Podcasts have been done before, but here you guys are selling that at arenas because everyone loves you guys. So there's different things you can do for different businesses, but you don't need, as I said, to reinvent the wheel. I think people overthink everything. Just look at what's doing well, take little bits from everyone and bring it into
4: your own company. I know you mentioned social media there, and it's been a bit of a trend that we've had a lot of guests on here that talk about the perils of social media, you know, the idea of yeah. the comparison culture and the toxicity of it. But you're suggesting that actually it can be a force for good, which is a different message that we're hearing. Would you tell us a bit more about how you can utilise a resource like that to your advantage then? Well,
1: look at the social media reach, it's pretty much free. You'd almost, I want to say stupid, be not, to not use social media, but use it in the right ways. As you say, don't compare yourself personally to people on social media, because they only show you the best bits they don't show you when they're waking up in the morning looking like shit with no makeup on, or, or, you know, or got a bad leg in the morning, or go to the gym with injuries. They're only going to show you their one rep maxes. And that's the same with businesses, it's smoke and mirrors, and they're always going to show you the best parts and, and never the bad, but social media is a tool that's, that's free, that you can reach every single person around the world, no matter where you are, so you need to utilise that. If, you, if your business is, is, is not on there, then you, you're missing a trick. And how are you with comparison? We spoke about comparison.
0: You know, there are businesses out there turning over billions and billions of pounds. Do you look at them and feel inferior? Do you look at them and feel jealousy, or do you look at them and feel inspiration?
1: Yeah, I never look at anyone and feel jealous in a malicious way, but it's always nice to look at someone and see, okay, you're selling so many products worldwide, like, wow. Because what you've done is incredible, do you know what I mean? So for me not to look at that and think that's great would be, would be crazy. I don't ever envy what someone else has got. and But of course we compare ourselves to all different types of companies all the time, but that's because... We know where we need to get to, and we can't get to that point without comparing what they're doing well and what they're not doing well because we have to imitate things that they're doing. They've already done it, spent billions of pounds doing it, so why not take their idea that's definitely working because they're still continuing to do it? Because these big companies, they put loads of money into R&D all the time, so you don't need to spend the money. Just let them do the dirty work and you just follow (laughs) what they've done.
0: Interesting. So for people that would love to set up their own business, but maybe there's a bit of fear there, there's no not know. there's less fear for you because you've done it and you've done it successfully. But for people who have that fear in here, what would be your message to them?
1: I know you've got fear, right? But if you, if you don't take the plunge, it's never going to get done. You are the only person that can make your idea work. Your idea will always stay an idea in your head if you don't take action. You know, people want to read books all the time, but never take action. Truth is, you are the only person that can make that thing happen. And I know it was a different part in my life when I first started in business, so it's, it's kind of difficult for me to say because for me, there was no risk there, realistically. What was I risking, which is why I say to everyone, do as much as you can while you're young. But, you know, watch young now? Because you can live to 100 with all, all, all the medicine, so everyone in here is still young. But, you know, take risks relative to your life. Don't try and risk it all just to make your life a little bit better, you know, with a massive downside. It's all about uh, probability.
4: So take us inside your head, then, when, you, when you've seen an opportunity and you maybe feel that little bit of fear. Tell us, how do you process it and how do you overcome it?
1: It is obviously scary because you, you, you think so far down the road, you said it earlier, you always think, you said it with, with your kids, right? It's the same with the business, you think of the business, okay... I know that I've got to get, do, you've got to do look, 100 things before it even gets live. And that's the scary part. But just don't even think that far. Just do the first part, the second part, the third part. It's like a jigsaw puzzle, right? You put one piece down and then the other one reveals itself. Same thing in your business. Just take it one step at a time. Try not to think about the bigger picture. All right. Even if you, you get 10 steps down the line and you don't even go with the idea, okay, but you still learn 10 steps that you can catapult your next idea 10 steps ahead. And I get a real sense that you bring incredible energy,
0: right, to the room which you're certainly doing in here this evening. What else do you bring to the table when you sit around with your other investors and your other business partners? What do you see as the thing that you bring to that group?
1: I'm pretty good at kind of hitting on things that become bigger things. So, like, I'll kind of look into the future. It's, it's something I've got, I'm kind of, I don't know if it's like, not say a third eye, but so I kind of know-ish if something's going to pop I don't know, in the next couple of years, which is, you know, I don't know how or why. Anything I kind of see a little bit of an interest in, it always becomes a big thing. I mean, people probably, you know, NFTs and things like that. I've got quite a lot of NFTs. And now it's like huge. Yeah, it's, you know, speculation always runs ahead of value and there's always a time to exit. But things that are, I just seem to spot things early on that just become big things. I don't know
4: how. Um, so who serves as your sounding board then? to so sometimes say, Lewis, I don't think that is a good idea. When you're bouncing off, it's one of these trends that you might have seen.
1: It'd be people I've met on the internet they are in a similar circle to that mindset of me, because it's some, some of the things you come up with are crazy. You know, like, no one else is going to believe that, but you go out on the internet and someone else believes what you're believing. Which is mad, and then that's it then. You talk, and you, fucking hell, you talk all sorts of speculation. And you chat to people you've never met on the internet about Yeah, I speak stuff. to people I've never met all the, all the time. I just run to, like, the other day I was learning something about uh, Vivi, which is like a digital collectible platform, and I posted about it, and loads of people started messaging me straight away. And before you know it, I was on a, a call with, like, 10 different people I'd never even spoke to in my life, and they were teaching me <laughs> about something that I don't know about. And straight away I'm like, OK, let's do this. And then within a week I, I, I kind of know most things about what I'm looking at. So, yeah, I just, I just speak to loads of people. But in, in regards to, like, our business that's close, I speak to, you know, the Edgerton Brothers, Rita Wara, people, people that, you know, have no ego towards their view or my view.
0: You see, what I love about this conversation is I think that quite often people, and it doesn't matter whether they're a business person, <clears throat> whether they're employed, whether they're an employee, whether they're a parent, whether they're a teacher, I think all too often they are they're too anxious to vocalise what they really think and ask questions and be vulnerable and say, Look, I've got no idea, can you teach me? I think you are an absolute advocate for the fact that actually if you project out into the world constant questions, constant energy, constant kind of collaboration, let's do this together, it is incredible the amount, it sounds like it's incredible, the amount of people that are just out there, either the other side of a keyboard or the other side of a cup of coffee that are willing to just give and offer and lift you up.
1: Truth, everyone out there wants to do something similar to you, what you're trying to do. At all points, as billions, you know, I don't know, million people, billions of people in the world. And everyone is trying to, let's say, make it in some way or just come up with some crazy idea that no one's even thought about. So it's always good to go online. That's the beauty of social media. Couldn't do that, you know, 15 years ago. But now you can go online and find like-minded people. I know people struggle to, uh, to, to, let's say, make friends because, you know, they don't want to go out, they don't want to speak to people anymore because they just don't, don't feel like whenever they speak to them, they're on the same wavelength. Go on the internet, there's tons of people on your wavelength, honestly. I'll go to some crazy places. <laughs> if, if, I could, if I could take you some of the rabbit holes that I'll go down, you, you'd be like, where the fuck are you doing? You're weirdo. So.
0: Thing is, now, this is good because I think that we all assume, don't we, from the outside, that when you've set up a business that is now valued at billions of pounds, and you've been successful, and you've drawn out, you know, probably more money than everyone in here will ever see in their lifetime, right? We assume that you do things in a really linear, traditional, safe, normal way. I don't think anyone coming into here tonight, would you have thought that Lewis operates in this kind of way? You wouldn't, would you? Just talking on the internet, finding someone in any country in the world and tapping into their brains. I think it's a brilliant message for people to realise that you should ask a question of everyone you meet because everyone you meet knows something that you don't know. Um talking of asking questions while we've been talking lots of you have been pinging your questions in so we'll just do a couple of these if you're, sure, yeah, if you're cool with this let's see what um, what the audience in here want to want to know from Lewis so uh, if
4: someone took all of your assets away and then gave you a thousand pounds what would you do with it
1: I'd, mm, I'd probably flip on Facebook if I'm on marketplace I'd probably buy loads of different things like golf clubs old furniture and, I, and I'd, I'd sell them that's the, that would be the easiest way for me to make money that's guaranteed. I cannot say, yeah, you can put it into crypto. All this riskier stuff, let's say. But if I've only got a £1,000 I've got nothing else to my name, I'm, I'm going to get a stable job and I'm going to flip on the side. And do you think you could make genuine money out of a £1,000? Oh, yeah, easy. Really? Yeah, definitely. There's, there's so many different niches. Again, I'll just use golf clubs, right? People are so... Faster seller for golf club, but you can get like a nice tight wedge and you can get it for 60 quid and you can sell it for 100. Therefore, you can't do that. I mean, you can't make it almost double bubble on, on most things. <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? So, I'm, how many people give away a couch every single day for free because they can't be asked to get rid of it? I'll take that and I'll flog <laughs> it on for 20 quid. <laughs> love, so, I love it. If i have sure. only got a thousand pounds, I'm trying to make guaranteed money and those are the things that you're making guaranteed money, but, would, but I'd, I'd get a job too. Yeah. I'd make sure i get a job, a stable job with income to, to top that up with. With everything you've done and all the zeros that have ended up in your bank account, do you think you could
0: go back and just do a job tomorrow, no problem?
1: Yeah, no problem. Because I have to, because the people that work for me, I have to put myself in their shoes and do things that they've done and even, even go in to do their job to show them how to do it and, and help them. So, of course, got no, not got absolutely no ego to that. I love that. What about if it was 100,000 and not 1,000? It's almost easy with the smaller amount. <laughs> Yeah. Because I'll be taking more risks with, 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 the more, with more money. Um, but I would invest it in guaranteed guaranteed money pretty much. Nothing's guaranteed, but I'd say something like the SP 500. And that would be like a, a Vanguard 10% return a year again. But I'd probably take a more risky approach, but that's a safer bet. Nah, Man. It lucky. all depends. On, like, I love it. They're so hard to answer because there's so many different things yeah. you can do. Do you know what I mean? It all depends on the person, the risk port, you know, their risk appetite. Most people you know, I aren't comfortable going to sleep with loads of risk, and which is absolutely fine to take less... That's what I'd be l- like. I wouldn't, have the, I wouldn't approaches. have the
0: whatever to do. I'd basically give you the money and say, call me in a year,
1: <laughs> oh dear.
0: tell me what we've made. I can't be dealing with this every day. <laughs> <It's> stress. <laughs> it's or, or, you
1: could do, or you could do a house flip if you had 100 grand, you know, you could put money in, buy a run-down house, the worst on the street, and do it up, lick a pint, um, new kitchen, bathroom, and then sell it on.
0: Very nice. Let's see who this one's coming from. Uh, Mark, evening Mark... Enjoying yourself? Excellent. So, Lewis, everybody talks about the highs of business and the
1: successes. What were your biggest failures? Oh, what are my biggest failures? I mean, again, I've had a a lot um, in terms of things beyond closed doors that, you know, unfortunately I can't fully go into detail with. But I've had a lot of failures. There's a lot of things that haven't worked. And do you know what? If that hadn't have worked, I wouldn't be the person I'm today, and I wouldn't be in the position I'm today, talking to to everyone here with an interesting story. Any fa- any failure you have, you, you you have to you have to learn from it. It's just a part, and I would never ever ever turn back the clock to to, to the failure. Yeah, I've done things and, and lost a lot of money. Yeah, I've done things and and you know things haven't worked out, and I've probably lost I've lost friends too. But as long as I'm always learning from it, I mean, I don't really see them as as failures at all. I wouldn't really use the word failures, I'd learn learning curves or growth. I love that. Very on trend. Um,
0: <laughs> listen, before we, um, before we finish, we always have our quickfire questions on the High Performance Podcast. Um, one of the things that people love talking about are non negotiables. Have you got three non negotiables that you and all the people around you have to
1: buy into? I'd probably say love is one. Nice. Empathy, and then that would lead to, to, to happiness. I mean, I'm not going to go into any of the other things you could say because at the end of the day, non-negotiable. Most things are negotiable. Those three things really aren't. If you're not happy, you're going to be sad. As you know, if you don't love anyone, then you know, are you human? And you've got, emo- <laughs> you got to show emotion to people,
4: you know? If you could go back to one moment of your life, what would it be and why?
1: Ooh, i there's always a part in life you'd like to go back to. Probably when I used to just sit at home when I was, you know, 12, playing games. <laughs> Not a care in the world, you know, nothing to think about, just playing games. You know, wake up in the morning, play this game, before go to school, come back from school, play this game. So that's the, probably the most memorable, because there's always emotion uh, with your childhood that you everyone wants to go back. But if you sent yourself back there, realistically, it wouldn't be what you thought it would be. It never is. How close is what you're doing today to... Playing games. I still play games, now.
0: Similar. But I'm talking about every day, like, in business, just...
1: Similar, because you, yeah. are, you are playing a game, you know what I mean? You are playing, everything's like a game, there's always an answer. In a game, there's, like, there's so many different variables in games, which is the same as, like, a business. You're playing a game, you're playing a game with competitors. Can I get a, above you? Can I get the most likes on Instagram with this picture, this viral content, whatever it is? You're playing some type of game with some type of metric. So, just, just treat it as that, really. Don't really take it too seriously. How important is legacy to you? Not that important, if I'm honest. Not, not that important. I don't try and think that, f- that far. The only legacy I want to leave behind is that the people that knew me, that know that my morals are high and, you know, oh, I was just, a, 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 let's say, a loving person because, you know, everyone's forgot about when, they, when, they, when they're gone, they don't care. How successful you are at some point in the in the world cycle you're going to be forgotten about. So just focus on yourself and the people close around you. I wouldn't look too much into
4: that, me personally. If you could see the teenage version of you, what's one piece of advice you'd give him? Like? Give him a clip round the ear, on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I'd say. Just continue to be to be curious. I mean, everyone's personality is different. I was hyper, a little bit crazy, and whatever, but that's fine. Channel it into something you you really love. That's why I love things like Twitch at the moment. You have got all these kids, these gamers, or whatever, making loads of money online, doing everything they love. So just always follow your passion. You know, if you truly, truly are passionate about something, you're going to find a way to make money. I've never, I won't say never. I said initially you set out to make a little bit of money. But past that, it's all about passion. And then all the money you make is a byproduct of the process. And your kind of final message for the people in this room and the people that
0: have listened to this episode as part of the series of high performance what advice would you like to leave people with? Your kind of one final message. For them for living a high performance life what do you want to ring in in people's ears for
1: that? no one is perfect don't look ever look around and, and look at people on social media and think they're perfect and think their lives are perfect and they've got everything etched out in stone and this is the path you have to follow because truth is as I said they're winging it they just won't admit it that's the difference. I'll admit that I'm winging it. They won't. They'll pretend that there's perfect people. And always be curious. Like follow your curiosity. It can lead you down so many rabbit holes. They'll lead to different things. And as I said, just be empathetic to every single person you meet. Like Smile at people. Anyone you see. People behind the scenes. Shout their hand. Acknowledge people. I think it will give you so much personal growth. And at the end of the day, the kinder you are to people, the happier it's going to make you, the more you're going to perform. Brilliant. What a pleasure to sit and hear that. Ladies and gentlemen, Lewis Morgan. Mate, thank you so much. Cheers, chap. Thank you very much. I enjoyed that. Thank you so much, mate.
0: Damien. Jake. Uh, You know what I enjoyed about that conversation, right, is that the whole point of us creating high performance was because um, I used to think there was a secret, right, to people that succeed. And then I realised that it isn't. It's just that they've got exactly what Lewis has just shared with us you know you, you you hear him talk, and that is not a guy full of secrets that we can't replicate he's got things that and passion and desire and drive and energy that I think we can all learn from
4: yeah there was one line that resonated with what Lewis said was um, say no when you'll never make a mistake it's that idea of that it's about being curious trying things opening having an open mind that leads to new discoveries that leads to happiness and the different routes that he's gone down, and I think there'll be some people that will listen to that, and they'll be like, mm, like, "I really want specific
0: things he's done that I can do to be successful like him." But what's actually quite nice about that conversation is that he's almost saying, "Well, there are the only things that are specific is the exploration, constantly talking to people, trying to follow your passion." And and you know, we've all got real lives, yeah, like jobs and mortgages and kids and commitments. But if you can find the time among those other things to do that stuff then that's where it takes
4: you to. 100%. That example, that brilliant question about what would you do with £1,000 and why, and just the actual the energy and the can-do attitude to that, it wasn't seeing problems. It was seeing possibilities. It wasn't seeing probabilities. It was seeing solutions. And that's a mindset any of us can adopt.
0: Brilliant. Um, I enjoyed that. Thanks a lot, Damien. Thanks, Jake. Loved and if it. you guys want to appear on the podcast at the end, give us a huge cheer for uh, Lewis Morgan, everyone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. That, um, that is an applause big enough to keep on that episode of High Performance, yeah, isn't it? One. Yeah, we'll claim that. Wonderful. And we've now reached a time in the podcast that Damien and I really love, where we actually get to speak to the people that are listening to High Performance. And we had um, a DM on Instagram from... Matt Whitehouse, who said, "'I wanted to reach out and let you know "'I'm an avid listener of high performance. "'It's been a major part of my life since I started listening. "'The reason I'm reaching out is that "'while I'm not sure I class myself as a high performer, "'I guess I'm just the average guy on the streets. "'My life had to become high performance "'just to survive back in 2016. "'On the 1st of June that year, "'me and my wife lost our firstborn at birth. Callie got to 38 weeks and five days "'and was born alive, but sadly only lived for 27 minutes.' Since then, me and my amazing wife have had to fight every day to get by. We've been fortunately blessed to go on and have her sister, Etta, who is nearly five. And despite her being life-changing, our loss will never change. I am myself now involved in a podcast called The Still Parents Podcast, and we're now into our fourth series. And it's a pleasure to welcome Matt to the podcast now. Look, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really interested, and I'm sure people listening to this will be, that when you had to go through that horrific loss and, you know, we're all very sorry to hear that, Matt. When you went through that and you talk about the fact you had to become a high performer, what were the skills that you drew on to get yourself and get your partner through that period?
5: At the time, I think um, the main thing was just to get by minute by minute. We, we we live, in general, we live by the rule, take it day by day. You know, when when we lost Cali, our whole world just fell through through the floor, really, um, and it went really really uh, really fast. so she was born at 9.02 and by nine she she she'd, um, she'd passed away. So yeah, I think that we we just had to dig in and and, and really just show the character that that um, you have to find from somewhere that you didn't actually realize you had um, until until you actually put in that situation. And I also think that um, the other skills were teamwork. you know we we had to come together. We had no choice, really, in that. It was it was going to take us one of two ways. We were either going to drift apart or, or come together. Unfortunately, we got closer in that situation, and it meant that um, we were able to survive that period, which was literally what we were trying to
4: do. And as I said, just taking every, every minute by minute. When you've gone through something as traumatic as that, Matt, when did you feel that you we're eventually in a place to discover this sense of purpose to help other parents that have been through similar trauma.
5: I'm not sure that you're ever mentally ready completely after you've been through such an ordeal. We're six years down the line now, and I think that um, we are probably in the best place we've been so far um, to help people as much as we possibly can. My my go-to was to start helping people as much as I could from from the beginning really. Um, my way of dealing with all this has been talking. Um, I, I've had to talk about it, I've had to talk about Cali, I've had to talk about our loss and it's it, it's helped me uh, recover really it's helped me get through those situations that if I hadn't have talked I think I'd be in a, a, a much different place now and it kind of scares me a little bit where I might be at that point without talking so I think that you find a way of dealing with it yourself and then actually uh, can we help other people uh, the best way possibly can but in answer to your question I, I don't think that you're ever completely ready you just try and react the best way you possibly can and know as well that you're going to be helping other people, which makes makes me feel better um, in my way. Uh, the only problem I do have is I do sometimes forget about helping myself because I do tend to help other people but forget that actually I might need some help at that point as well. So I have to remember to help uh myself and, and and think about my own feelings as well
0: what's the high performance podcast done for you it, with regards to that self-care
5: you know it's, it's really helped me think about uh me as a person because i feel the one uh, one of the major benefits of the high performance podcast is actually that uh, the people that you have on, despite all the wonderful things that they've achieved, I feel like you, you, we can relate to them as people, and I think that you and um, that 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 you, Jake, and and, and you, Damien, both um, really ensure that you're looking at the person. You know, you make a big deal out of, um, of of telling us at the start of each podcast that you know you might be talking to someone who's won major titles or, or started a multi-million pound business, but um, You're not going to talk about that a lot today. You're going to talk about them as a person. You're going to talk about how they deal with their feelings um, and and how they help others around them. And I, re- I feel that despite these people being so wonderful as far as their achievements are concerned, I feel like that when I listen to the High Performance Podcast, I can, I can really connect with the majority of the people that are on there in a personal way. And I think that's really
4: helped. And is there any particular guest that's really resonated with you, Matt?
5: The two that really uh, resonated with me were um, Dr. Chatterjee and, and James Timpson. Um, Dr. Chatterjee, I think, was was fantastic because, again, he talked about uh, the person a lot, talked about real um, personal feelings, and I think that that really helped me understand him a lot more, and I, I really connected with him. James Timpson was fantastic. Um, I just felt that he was just so uh, personable And he understood his work, um, the people who work for him fantastically well. And um, it sounds like a great place to work. It really does, Um, because, you know, he he just does little things that are going to make his employees feel a lot more positive about their work and feel cared for. And I think that was I think that was the, the real thing that resonated with me uh, when listening to that episode.
0: Wonderful. Well, look, thank you so much for spending the time. And we send lots of love to you and to your wife and to your daughter, Etta. And obviously we send uh, lots of love to Callie as well. Um, and if people want more information, then they can find you on the Still Parents podcast. Yeah.
5: Yes, Jake, you can find our podcast on Spotify. It's, it's called the Still Parents podcast and it's in conjunction with the Lily May Foundation who are a wonderful charity that have uh, really um, helped me and um, and my wife Crystal um since um since we lost Callie it's it's all on there we're in our fourth series now uh we really enjoy doing it Well,
4: well look, you're making a real difference man. Yeah. so thank you
5: thanks for your time guys i've really really um enjoyed talking to you and, and appreciated your time thank you very very much
4: top man lots nice nice to of love you.
0: Well, as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Lewis. An interesting, humble, kind, friendly guy. You know what I really loved about that was that Lewis turned up with no other people apart from his partner. And he wanted to sit in the audience and actually watch the show and chat to people and he hung around for a drink afterwards. And I always think it's important to share those kinds of things because for a lot of people, they make their many, 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 many millions of pounds and they're no longer the person they once were. But I think you will agree that that conversation would have been very similar with Lewis when he was 18, because I don't think the money has changed him. It's changed his life, but I don't think it's changed him. Thank you so much, Lewis, for coming on the show as always. Thank you to everyone who turned up to hear us live at the Birmingham Town Hall. And we are going on tour again. And if you want more details... If you want to be the first in the queue, then just join the High Performance Circle. Just go to thehighperformancepodcast.com and there you can also get free keynote speeches, free presentations, free newsletters, free discounts and offers. It all awaits you on the High Performance Circle. Just go to thehighperformancepodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to today. Thank you to Hannah, to Will, to Eve, to Gemma, for all the team at Rethink Audio for their hard work on this. But please, most of all, thanks to you. Remember, there is no secret. It is all there for you. Be your own biggest cheerleader and make world-class basics your calling card. See you next time.